Welcome to the Red Letters Podcast. In this podcast, we explore topics that can be life-transforming while delivering a message of hope. Today, we're going to attempt to tackle the topic or the question that was submitted, can a believer be a believer yet not go to church? So maybe we could start off with what is a believer? Believer would be someone, is someone who believes in the word of God, who attends, I would say, uh, does attend church and maybe many church activities. That's what I believe a believer is. However, Maybe there are believers out there who, for whatever reason, don't attend church, but are doing a lot of righteous things outside the church, and they, but they believe in the Word of God. So a believer is someone who carries out, walks out what God says in the Bible for him to do. Okay, so do you think that they would need to go to church? Because that's the question. The question, okay, because I thought you told me to define believer, Tony, oh, but yeah. now you're... That was, that was, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, you're right, yeah. you're right. So do I believe that a believer needs to attend church to be a believer? Yeah. Personally, no. Okay. I do not believe that a believer needs to attend church to be a believer. However, I do believe that if he wants to call himself a believer, at the very least, he should have the knowledge of what the Bible says and also be reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. So you're, because you're living that out. So if you claim to be a believer, you're going to live out what you've already read. You're not just going to walk around telling people, yeah, yeah, God's good. But And when somebody comes and asks you, but look what I'm going through. And you can't apply the word of God to their lives. Then why are you calling yourself a believer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I would probably start off by saying is, I don't believe you have to be in church to have a relationship with God. I agree. I think that's a mm-hmm. good starting point. Do I believe that a believer needs to go to church? Um, I believe pretty much what you said, but the only thing that I think would be a little bit different is, yeah, you cannot go to church and still be a believer, but I don't personally believe you're ever going to hit your potential. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't think you'll... you'll. I'm not saying you won't become who God wants you to be, but I know that God uses people to build character in you. Yeah. So the journey might take 10 times longer mm-hmm. because you're choosing not to be in church because, quote unquote, everybody's a hypocrite. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you call it? I think it's important to be in church because like early on when I first gave my life to God, I went, I was living in a men's home. It wasn't a rehab home. It was just like... 15 guys or something like that in a three-bedroom house. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in the garage, was con- uh, there was, I think, only two bedrooms. So the leaders got the two bedrooms. So there was like two in each of those rooms. And the rest of them were in the two-car garage that was conf- kind of transformed into a bedroom. We all had our sleeping bags everywhere. During those early stages, if I wasn't in church, I would not have grown as fast as I did. Wow. I established so many... God ordained, God divine relationship with men mm-hmm. because I was in close proximity with them. Yeah. And if you're not willing to be doing life close with other people, I think that you're robbing yourself at the end of the day of the relationships that God wants to give you. Mm-hmm. So you can go, you can be a believer, not go to church. But I've heard this before, and I totally believe it, that there's no real long rangers for Jesus. Mm. I believe that you do need, that's why the Bible says, when you're in fellowship, that iron sharpens iron. 
Right. What good is a, a piece of iron sitting in the backyard all by itself? It becomes rust. rust yeah. And, and I believe that that's what your life can become if you choose not to be in fellowship. Because in fellowship, that's when you grow. That's when words of encouragement are either spoke, spoken from you or even into you. Mm -hmm. And those will help you in some of these days where you have the toughest time that you're going through. Right. And that's why I think that relationships that you can develop in church can catapult you into what God really has for you. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, like even in my own walk, my own journey with God, it was in the fellowship with people and going to church that I felt the Holy Spirit whispering into my ear, this is the direction I want to take you to. This is right. where I want you to go. Mm-hmm. But if you get church and all that fellowship and put that on the shelf and go back, I would probably have a hard time figuring out what I needed to do. Mm. Because sometimes God will use other people to speak truths into your life to help you see what your next step is. Right. I would agree with both of you as far as you don't have to be in church to be a, a believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that it? Because what I do believe 100%, and I tell this to my kids and to close friends is that your relationship with God is number one. And what does that mean? You going to church, you doing good works, you, you know, worshiping in church. I mean, that's not going to get you to heaven. It's your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I'll share a little story and I share it with my kids. And I was watching this movie. It was an end time movie called Revelation. And um, I was by myself in our apartment, there was a part, a scene in the movie where, where um, it was a pastor, his daughter, and half of his congregation was left behind. And I was thinking, man, God, and it really hit me hard to the point where I was like, so like sincere and wanting an answer. Like I literally wanted God, you know, I asked God this question in the living room. I said, Lord, I said, why is it not everybody's going to leave in the rapture, why is it this pastor? I thought everybody that's a Christian that, you know, receives you, you know, will, will go with you. And that was the first time in my whole walk with God that God gave me a scripture. And it was in Matthew um, where he talked about, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. And I was like, okay. So when I read that, I was like, I never knew you. So I looked up the word new and that specific word new meant the same new when Joseph and Mary knew each other. It's an intimacy. It's when they became intimate. So basically the Lord was telling me it's those that were intimate with me, those that didn't know who I was. And I always tell my kids, it starts in your home first in your quiet place. You spending quality time with God, getting to know God and having your own, developing your own personal relationship with him. It starts there because that's what's going to keep you saved. That's what's going to keep you right. Mm-hmm. Along with, the, you know, the, you know, of course, the praying comes in the quiet place, the reading and all of that stuff combined. Whereas church, I agree with you, Tony, when it comes to fellowship, we have to have, we need that fellowship. Mm-hmm. We need that coming together, that fellowship. And I believe that too, for many people that can catapult you to your purpose and help you get to your purpose. But a lot of the times as believers, we depend on all the time the preachers to preach to us. And that's where we get the word. 
where it's supposed to start in your home. You have to have that personal devotional time with God. And then coming together in fellowship is where the iron sharpening iron, mm-hmm. where we come together, we, you know, it, it, it builds us up because I think about Paul, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was a Pharisee mm-hmm. or was it Pharisee, right? Mm-hmm. Not Sadducee. And God called him, right? And it, and it says in the word that he separated himself for three years before he actually stepped into his ministry, but you never hear about him going to church every Sunday. Right. You know what I mean? You and, and he stepped into his purpose and everything else. So I think that it depends, you know, some people are called to the missions field. The body technically, if I want to get technical about this, it's not about four walls mm-hmm. because we make the body. We're the body of Christ. Right. You know what I mean? When we come together, we become, we're the church. Mm-hmm. Every part of the body has a function to do and a purpose. So when we come together, it's to come together in fellowship, in unity. And even in the early church in Acts, it talks about when they came together, they prayed, they were in unity, they were in one accord, and they were without ceasing, mm-hmm. right? They were praying and seeking God. And they were doing as well. And it says the church grew. Right. You know? So I think that coming together, we have to have that. It, it, I mean, we need that fellowship. You know, even Paul in his letters, he would always write letters to the churches and say, oh, how I, you know, how he longs to to come see them. You know, he can't wait, you know, because he desires that. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that being alone, going, you know, doing God, God's will around the world. But then here he is like, man, I can't wait to fellowship with you guys. I can't wait to come together with you guys. So I think ultimately, and I think this is for every believer out there is that it starts with a personal relationship. And, and I believe just like the Lord showed me in that scripture, you know, that he never knew you, you know, yeah, you know, you, you get saved, you receive Jesus, but there's going to come a time where God's going to say, Hey, your works, you're, you're going to church faithfully, all this stuff. And I'm not saying, and I'm not telling you that don't go to church because hundred percent, I don't believe don't go to church. I believe right. that you need fellowship. You need to be in church, but it starts at home in your personal quiet time with God. That's where your relationship starts. It starts one-on-one with him. He wants you for himself. He wants you to talk to him to come to him, to communicate with him so he can talk to you back in return. But it, it starts at home. So. Yeah, I'm glad you you kind of separated the building that we call the church mm-hmm. and what the church really is. Because I know the question that was submitted was talking about the building. You know, do we need to go to the building and, and participate in a in a worship service with other believers? That's really what the question was being asked. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, we could turn around and be you know, get together and have a barbecue and, you know, be talking about the Bible and and just encouraging each other. Because, you know, in in Hebrews, it says, and this is like, here God telling us, don't avoid assembling together. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect or abandon meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other, exclamation point. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day drawing near. Yeah. So here it's 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 a pretty much a command that God's telling us: don't do, don't avoid getting together. It's important to get together. And if you think about it, this is just something that just came to my mind. Here's God, and He sees all of it. He sees His children 
all doing their own things, all separately, Mm -hmm. never getting together. Just as a father with my kids, I would feel like, wow, Mm -hmm. how different is that compared to me turning around and sitting back and watching my my, my five kids come together because they went to... You know, they went to go to SeaWorld together. They went to go do something together. Just knowing that they did that brings joy to my heart just as in a natural sense. Mm -hmm. How much more is it for God when he turns around and sees his kids getting together? There's something special about that. And I didn't really think about this before we turned around and, you know, started this podcast. But as we were talking, I was just starting to think about the heart of God. What does it look like from his perspective? We're talking about it in our perspective, mm-hmm. but what does it look like from his view? Right. You know, I think there's a different dynamic when we look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to bring up something that Ruth reminded me of, and, and it's so true, is that the quiet place, when I talk about the quiet place being in your home, mm-hmm. it's where the foundation is. Right. That's where you actually get rooted in him, and that's where the you know the, the foundation starts off. But this is a good question, actually, that was brought up, is what is godly... What is what do you consider godly fellowship? Mm. What does that look like to you? Well, um, good question, Ida. Thank you for putting me in the spot. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. No problem. No. Um, what is what is um, godly fellowship? You said mm-hmm. I, I wasn't going to use this to the end, but I'll use it right now. Godly fellowship to me is this: my husband does not attend church, but he knows the word. My husband does not go and uh, know everybody at the church. He's been at the church. But something that he does that really surprises me, and I and, and I read this somewhere, and I also heard it with Dr. Miles Monroe, said so many people attend the church, but what are they doing for God? And I thought, wow. So my husband does something once a year, every year, and he's been doing it for the past eight years where he... Um, gets a lot of gifts. He has a lot of sponsors now and he donates gifts to the community. And we, in the community that we have our barbershop at is, um, not a a very wealthy community. So he does this once a year, every year. Another thing that he does is he sponsors kids that, uh, want to learn boxing. So he sponsors these kids that otherwise would not have a way to sponsor themselves or for their single mom or single father to be able to provide this for their child. Another thing that he does that I'm just, I sit back and I'm in awe of him because I was like, I, I never stopped to think about it, but I did a Bible study the other day where we talked about community and one, when his clients become ill and the elderly, they can't travel outside their home. He will either go to work earlier or leave or come home later because he goes to their homes to cut their hair because that's what they need. And I thought, that's what I believe God is calling us to do. Go help those that can't help themselves. Quit thinking that I just want you. Yes, um, I'm going to get back to going to the church. Yes, I believe that we need that. But what good does that do us when we don't apply everything that God is telling us outside those four walls? So my husband is one of those that does not attend the church. But when I see what he does for people outside the church, I'm in awe of him because I'm like, where did he learn this? Or was it just innate for him to go out of his way to try to help others? Mm. And now for the new believer, and I don't know if that answered your question, Ida, and I don't know if you want to piggyback on that before I say something. No, go ahead. Okay. I'll jump in right So after. for the new believer that's just started uh, coming to Christ and someone invited you to church, I do strongly believe that church has to be their foundation because they haven't found it at home. Now, once they learn what God wants from them, once they learn that, oh, God wants me to establish a relationship with him because I didn't know this. Then you go to your quiet place and, okay, God, I'm here. 
I want to know you. I know what the pastors told me. I know what the leaders have shared with me, but I want to know from you. So I do believe that a new believer that has fir- that has freshly come to Christ as a t- uh, attending church should get to know what it means to establish a relationship with God. Then we go and it starts in the home. I do believe that um, because th- and this is the reason why. When I first came and I told you guys, um, I, it, it, I haven't been in, in church that long. I haven't been saved that long. When I first started coming to church, when I would read the Bible on my own at home, everything that it said, I believed God was being mean to me. I, I translated it based on my experiences and what I had already lived. For example, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What mind? I, I think I think like garbage. What do you mean by this? And I felt it was a personal attack and I, I didn't get it. So, But when I went to church and I heard other leaders and the pastors put it in their interpretation, how we were supposed to actually be reading it, I got it. I was like, oh, I didn't get that that's what the message was trying to tell me. So for new believers, I think if you don't if you can't get into your own time and you don't know how to read it, then go and let somebody else fill you up or teach you. And then you go to your quiet place so you can get that established, that strong, um, concrete, rooted foundation with God and have that uh, relationship with him. Now, another thing to do, if you can't attend church at the very least, attend Bible studies. Mm-hmm. You know, we have them and they're everywhere. It's like attend a Bible study because all this, all that does is open up your knowledge to, or gives you more wisdom, how to seek God further. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about waking up in the morning and doing the sign of the cross and, and eating your food. It's a, it's something deeper. Like you said earlier, Tony, it's the time we invest with that person, how we can go and we can talk to that person or communicate with mm-hmm. that person. How much time are you investing with God? So, and, and really quickly, when we talked about, uh, why is it that we need to do this? Why fellowship? I remember when I first started coming to church, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved hearing the word. I knew that there was change was coming. I didn't know what that looked like, but something happened. I went home and I got busy because we all do it. And instead of getting into reading the Bible, instead of listening to a message, I started listening to what I already knew whatever music I listened to, whatever it is, the magazines that I read, I started doing that. And I started coming home and I noticed something different in me. I noticed that I was slouching. I was angrier. I was sitting back into my, I was setting into my old patterns and I was okay with it until I realized one day after several days of coming home, I was like, what is going on with me? I have no energy and I feel so mad and I felt depleted. And I was like, but what, what I realized in that moment, you already know what God wants from you. You already know how he can fill you up with the word. And then you decide to go back to this. It's going to drain you on your own. You can do nothing mm. aside from God. It's, it's like they say, you have separated from the source. You can do nothing. And at some point I was okay feeling depressed. I was okay feeling the anxiety. I was okay feeling the sadness, whatever, because it wasn't old. It wasn't new to me. That's how I grew up. But when I came to learn the things of God and when I learned about that relationship with him, what I, what I realized was if I go back to my always, I don't like the way that feels. I know that everything else sits in and it makes me believe that it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to feel depressed. It's not mm-hmm. okay to feel sad. It's not okay to not have energy. Away from the source, you will feel all that. 
attached to the source, which is God himself, then you have that energy to keep on going, to keep on moving. Mm. That's why I believe new believers should come and attend so they can learn at least the very basics. That's good. Mm. One, one of the things, I guess, when, when you asked that question or you were talking about fellowship, what is godly fellowship? I think it has to be Christ-centered. Because if if I go out and have a cup of coffee with another guy and we're just going to go sit and, you know, talk about life or maybe they're going through something and we're just having a good conversation, then that's what we just had as a good conversation. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really fellowship. I think fellowship has to, God has to have, be the center of attention. I think that has to be, to be godly fellowship. Otherwise, I'm just having a good time with my brother. At having a cup of coffee. Yes. So, and um, I think that's one, one of the biggest criteria on, on godly fellowship is you can't have godly fellowship without God. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, that's so good. Um, the other thing, too, is I think that when we're doing, you know, going to church, if we're going to church and we're, we're going, and just like it was well spoken earlier, if we're not having that quality time with God, mm -hmm. Then really, you you you're in, you call it church, but you're going to a club, you're going to an association, oh, you're true. going to a place that you could go do good works to feel good till next week. But without that heart connection, you're not doing church the way it's supposed to be done. You're going sometimes just to do some works to get some guilt off of you. More selfishness, exactly. Yeah. So I think the motive on going to church and making sure that you have that relationship with God because you want to go see what Father has to say today mm -hmm. is a different outlook than just going to church because I got to serve, I got to do this, I got to usher. Because then you go through the mechanics of going to church without the heart connection, right? and it's just a matter of time before you don't want to be a part of church mm -hmm. because you'll get hurt, you'll get offended, the pastor didn't shake my hand, all of those things will come up because right. you go to church, but because your heart's not filled with God, there's an emptiness that you're going to uh, discover down the road. Mm -hmm. So going to church, if you're going for the right reasons and you have the relationship with God, that's where, 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 where it really happens. That's what it's supposed to be. But without that, without your tank being filled with God, and you just go to meet with the other people that you like because you have common interest mm -hmm. that that doesn't that's going to you're going to find the vanity in that right it's sad to say but there's vanity going to church without having god in your life and him being the, the on the throne of your life and you having that communion with him before you even get there right so you, it's going to fall short because then you're going to just fall into a works type of uh, mindset Okay, I'm doing something for God. Now God needs to do something for me. Mm -hmm. That don't sound like you have a heart connection with him. Mm -hmm. right. Because if you have a, a, a good loving father that's eager to love on you and you have that attitude towards him, you actually are a spoiled brat. Right. Ooh, yeah, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's true because how we view church is it could have been maybe why this person asked the question. Because mm -hmm. maybe they've gotten hurt. Maybe they went through the mechanics of church too much, too long, and it didn't pan out like they thought. You know, so yeah. I think that heart connection is is where everything even starts. 
you know, just like you guys were saying. Otherwise, you know, we we just go through me- the mechanics. Right. Yeah. I was thinking too of of when you talked about new believers, you know, and it being important, you know, that they should be in church, that that's where they start their foundation. And I think, you know, we go to discipleship. Right. Let's talk about discipleship, you know, yeah. even in church, you know, if if there needs to be a, a good, strong discipleship when new believers do come to church, you know? And I think even as mature believers, we need to be so full of God and have that intimate relationship with him so that when new believers do come, Mm -hmm. and let's say we don't see them getting that discipleship, we need to be willing to, you know, sometimes take these younger generation, these younger kids, or even try to influence the ones, you know, the younger generation that do have a relationship to bring in those new believers and teach them, Yes, you know, because I think that's something that I see a lack in is, is, and I thank God for our pastor because I, I, I see that he's pushing people to personal devotion and, and reading their Bible mm-hmm. and, and just the love of a father that he expresses to, to us as a church, you know, and, and we need that, you know, and I think, and I love it that he pushes people and encourages people that you need to get into your word for yourselves at home. Mm-hmm. And that's part of yeah. personal devotion. That's part of being in the quiet place with God. And I think that there's a lot of churches that don't push that, that don't right. teach that it's, it, it's, it is more of a mentality on this, how many, you know, how much can we grow and how, how much can we do this and how, you know, and it's almost like retaining the body in, 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 in four walls and not allowing them to step really fully into the, what God has called them to do. Right. And I think that that's another subject for another day, but, mm-hmm. but I think that it's so important that we have to have our eyes open even in church and say, you know what, we need to be willing you know, and I, and I actually stepped in, I've, st- I've stepped into some young adult conversations that where I've had to, you know, share that, well, no, this is the way, you mm-hmm. know, and, and direct them to the word of God, because a lot of our younger generation lack the word. They don't even know the word. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why they're going through mm. the depression, the, 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 the mental issues that they have. And, and again, it goes back to the renewing of the mind through the word of God. But mm-hmm. I think that there's nobody leading them because if they're not getting it at home, yeah. you know, and it, in some, even in church, if they're not getting it in church, right. Right. And they're not being influenced by the mature believers that have a relationship with God. And we're not pulling these kids under our wings and saying, no, this is the way you need to go and direct them into having that intimate relationship with God at home. And if it means us sitting down with them and, and making a way to where, you know what, look, I'm going to, you know what, I have time. You come over, we're going to open our home up. You come, let's read together. Right. Encourage them to get a love for God's word. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that not only, you know, well, actually you're going to, you know, getting a love for God's word is where you're going to end up loving God because mm-hmm. you know who he is. It's going to, ref- it's going to show who you are and it's going to show who he is. Right. And, and I think that, that's something that's so important is, is just, we need to really encourage this younger generation to read the word, mm-hmm. read it. I challenge you. If you're listening out there, yeah. I challenge you. You may say, well, God doesn't hear me. You know, I've been praying. I've been this, this, and that. I said, you know what? Then you need to step back and ask yourself, how often do you sit in the quiet? Because mm-hmm. to sit in the quiet, think about it, be in a room where it's just quiet and you're thinking about God mm-hmm. and you're talking to someone you can't see, but you know he's there. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes God might not respond because he's waiting for you to press in even deeper. You know, he might be testing you saying, okay, how bad do you want to know me? Mm-hmm. Because I remember my own relationship with God before I became a Christian, I remember, you know, being high on drugs, full of alcohol, sitting in my room. I was suicidal. I was full of depression. I wanted to die. Didn't want to live anymore. I didn't care what happened to me. I didn't think anybody loved me. And I remember I got so tired because I couldn't go to sleep because I was always high on meth. Mm. And I was like, after you clean your room, what do you have to do? So I'm sitting there and I would break down and cry like, God, if you're real, if you, if, if you're truly out there and you're real, I said, I'm tired and, and, and I need you to show me that you're real. I, I know I hear about you, you know, cause I used to church hop with my sister. She used to take me everywhere, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I knew there was a God out there, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got on my knees and just cried out to him one night. And I truly cried out and I said, God, show me you're real. Show me you're real. I don't want to live like this no more. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I remember this is crazy. And I'm going to share this real quick. A week, I remember that night I broke down. I asked God some questions. And a week later, I was at my sister's shop. It was late night. It was like nine o'clock. And I was waiting for my sister and my brother-in-law to come pick me up. And I was sitting in the shop and I was alone. I had my dog with me. And this guy comes in the shop and he's clean cut, um, beautiful olive skin. I remember he had like a, a lavender shirt, tie, slacks. And he comes in and he says, you know, since I'm here, you know, cut me this key. So I get the key. I cut. It's a single key, no keychain, nothing. Just a key pulls out of his pocket. And so I'm cutting the key and I give it to him and I told him the exact amount. In the same pocket, he pulls out the exact amount of change to the T and mm. he puts it on the counter. And then I'm like, not thinking anything of it. And I put it away and then, and I'm done. And the, he, he, he looks at me and he says, you know, since I'm here, he says, you've been asking God some questions. And he mm. says, my name's Gabriel. And Gabriel actually is the name of God's messenger angel yeah. in the Bible. Okay. He says, my name's Gabriel. And he says, I'm here to answer those questions that you've been asking God. And he answered every single question to the T. Mm-hmm. And all I remember is I was in awe mm-hmm. because that was the first time God revealed himself to me. And sorry to get emotional about this. And I just want to tell you that God is there and he's waiting and he's always knocking. But he's waiting on us to make that decision if we want to know him or not. Because so many throughout history, so many people, God's creation has always wanted to do things for themselves. And God is a loving God. He's a patient God. But I'm telling you, he genuinely wants a relationship with you. But you need to be willing to give him a chance. And the same way he revealed himself to me. And that's why I challenge you. Because he showed me that he was real in a personal way. Alone, I was alone in my room, contemplating suicide, and I'll give a testimony later on because I did actually commit suicide, and that's a miracle in itself where God came in through for, came through for me again. But I want to tell you that He is so real, 
That night, I remember when I prayed and asked him those questions, I felt a love that I've never felt in my whole entire life, and words cannot describe the love that I felt. So if you are struggling, you're going through something, and you're, you're just questioning, and even as a believer, and you wonder why things aren't going well for you, and you wonder why, you know what, I'm going through this and going through that and, and going through the motions, even as a believer in church, I says, then you need to sit back and step back and re-examine your walk with God. Because you're either just going to church to do what my husband said earlier, mm-hmm. right? To go to a, a club. Right. And you're not spending that time with God and you're not reading the word. And I said, and if you can't understand it, God will trust me, trust me. He will, and you, when you read the word openly, sincerely hungry, because God knows our heart. He knows if you're, if you're honest or not, he knows if you're just being sarcastic and you're testing him, you know? So truthfully, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to give God a chance to, to, to sit in that quiet place and wait. And if it means 10 days, 20 days, keep pressing in because he will answer. Mm-hmm. And I will, and, and, and one day if I get my kids to share, they'll tell you themselves, they've had experiences and encounters personally with God in the quiet place. And that's, and that's something that I just want to say, we always choose the easy way. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's in the hard way mm-hmm. where we find God. Yes. That was powerful, Ida. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hope and pray that when a young individual that's struggling out there listen to these stories, he knows if he did it with her, he can do it with me. Mm-hmm. And it's believing in Christ. It's believing that there is a choice out there. And if we choose him, life can be better. It will be better. It's just, it's going to, we have to go through the challenges of, this journey we call life. And I don't know, Tony, do, did you want to say anything to wrap uh, The it up? only one little thing I felt that I, we should add as well is that if, if you choose to go to church and you feel that while you're there, you, have a, you feel the presence of God and then you walk away, you come back next week, the same thing, but it doesn't change. There's no communion with you and him then you're just getting an emotional high mm-hmm. every week or every time you come. Right. And that's not going to, that just because, you, just because you feel the presence of God doesn't mean he's on the inside. I think that like what my wife was sharing in that quiet place is where that relationship has to ignite right. and it has to stay burning. Right. Otherwise you can go there and we talked about the work side of it. But I think the other part is the emotional side of it, because mm-hmm. you can go and get this, get this presence that oh man, God, I know He was here. I felt you know, I started crying and stuff like that. But if there's no change and there's no repenting, there's no um, God, take this from me, change me, for, like you had mentioned earlier, from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Then even that in itself is going through the mechanics, right. not just the doing but the feeling side of it as well. Yes. And and just to wrap up one more time, it's like what you said, uh, Tony and Aida, going to church is not um, 
it's not a selfish act. You're not going there to see what I can get, how many friends I can make. And if you're going for that reason, believe me, you will be hurt. Mm-hmm. And for those people who have been hurt, have been hurt and they're quick to blame the church. And it's like, it wasn't the church. What were your motives for going to church? Mm-hmm. If you're going there because you're seeking God, you're seeking the word, you want to get deeper with God, then you're there for the right reason. But many times, many people get it confused and they say, well, I don't have friends here or there or I don't like those people, but I'm going to go to church and they, people will hurt you. I don't care who you are and where you go. People will hurt your feelings and they will never live up to the expectation that you're looking from God. They will, it will never happen. So to answer the question, Tony, I believe that if you decide not to attend church, but still a believer, as long as you're in the word and you're doing godly things mm-hmm. or have godly wisdom, then maybe you are that exception to the rule that you don't have to attend church, that you don't have to fellowship. But for the most of us, I'm speaking about me, I need to attend. I need Mm -hmm. to listen to the message. I need to be around like-minded people to help me move in the direction that God is moving me towards. That's good. One last thought, if that's okay, (laughs) is um, if you're going to a church and you're, uh, I don't like this about the church. Let me go on to another church. Go there. You, uh, I don't like this about the church. Uh, uh, I don't want to stay here for this reason. Let me go find another church. Can I ask you a big time question? Look in the mirror. Maybe there's something that you have to change in you. Maybe you're the problem because you're not going to find a perfect church anywhere. And I've heard it before that if you find the perfect church, don't go because you're going to mess it up. (laughs) So true. So Just keep that in mind. I know that there's no perfect church. I know that in churches, sometimes there's politics in church. I've seen that side of it. But the thing that I've always asked God is keep me from the politics. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of it. I've guarded my heart. God has helped me to do that. And I've I've I can't really say that I've been hurt in church, even though I've been in a few of them. I haven't really been hurt. But I've learned, God showed me what to take away from it as I went forward. Mm-hmm. So, and, and up to now, I, I have a good relationship with any of the pastors that I served under because God was able to protect my heart. And I didn't have to walk away when, with an offense and feel like I have to badmouth the church or badmouth the pastor or badmouth the leader mm-hmm. because that's unhealthy in and of itself because that's still God's son. That's still God's daughter. Be careful who you're talking about. So with that, we'll go ahead and conclude this week's episode on Does a Believer Need to Go to Church? Thank you, guys. Love you guys.